Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the voices of young people. Hi there. Welcome back. This is season seven, and I'm your host, Marta Abawaji, the head of community engagement at Springtide. And we're continuing our mental health and Gen Z series with another conversation that brings two young people together. They're in different locations, but fairly similar seasons of life. We have Ellington, who's in his first year of high school. He's in New York City. And then we have Camilla, who's finishing out high school. She's getting ready to graduate and she's in New Orleans. So with this high school reality, sort of entering that season as well as preparing to exit it, we want to know how have they found their high school settings to be supportive of mental health? Are there specific things that educators have done or or maybe could could consider doing to support the mental health experiences of young people in their classrooms. And we want to know, you know, where are they getting messages about mental health? What sort of activities do they do to maintain their own sense of mental well-being? And I've had the joy of getting to know both of these these young people in different settings, so I'm sure we're going to get a lot of good stuff from this conversation. Ellington, will you introduce yourself for us first? Right, of course. Hi. Hello. My name is Ellington Tanner. Uh, I am 15, a freshman in high school at LaGuardia. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, yeah, that's me. Uh, hobbies, I guess. I, I love to dance. Uh, I go to karate. And I also recently found my love for acting and just doing camera work and stuff like that. It's, yeah love it he he is a very talented dancer and theater person i've witnessed some of it myself so it's really cool that um you're able to dive into those passions more through through your high school experience camilla tell us a bit about you yeah so my name's camilla i am freshly 18 i'm (laughs) yeah so excited in january finally but um, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm a senior in high school. I go to De La Salle High School, which is right on St. Charles Avenue, right in the heart of the city. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And a hobby, I guess, my most consistent hobby that I have right now is probably like arts and crafts, doing stuff like that. I make jewelry. I like to draw. I love to paint. And yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know all of that about you. I yeah. love, I love arts and crafts stuff too. Like I always think I'm going to become the next, next Etsy seller. And then I move on to another <laughs> type of activity, but that's really cool. You'll have to show me some of your jewelry designs sometime. Camilla is one of our Springtide ambassadors, and you can learn more about that program on our website. So you guys know we're talking about mental health today. I'm wondering, just when you hear that phrase, what comes to mind for you? 
Um, well, when I hear the phrase mental health, <clears throat> I usually just think of the well-being of, you know, human beings. And it's something that we all have in care of. So that's really just my short little two cents of when Perfect. I hear the phrase mental health. Yeah, for me, I really agree with that. Um, well-being is definitely something that comes to mind. But when I think of mental health personally, I think of it as kind of like a a journey to finding yourself. And like Ellington said, it's something that everybody has, whether your mental health is in a good place or not, everybody has it. It's like physical health. It's just with your psyche, your mental. And um, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. So we know that Gen Z gets a lot of messages about mental health. Can you let us know what are some of the places or spaces where you, you come across mental health messages? For me, I think that I see most of the messages about mental health on social media. Um, I definitely think that I kind of put myself in that situation as I do follow a lot of positive, you know, mental health accounts on things like Instagram and stuff. But that's definitely where I see most of my information about mental health. Great. Um, well, I don't have any social media or stuff like that just because my parents shelter me. Um, but um, I hear it a lot at my school because at LaGuardia, it's a very inclusive place and they take mental health very seriously at my school and they give you time and like there's guidance counselors that like you can take periods out of your day to just be there. And yes, it's very helpful. So that's usually where I hear a lot of mental health from. Yeah. So yeah, social media and school are two places we hear over and over again in our research and in these conversations I'm doing with the podcast of where young people are hearing things. And I think that's different. I don't think other generations had the same resources available in a school setting or didn't have social media one, but didn't have a platform that like there was this like interactive message um, going out. So it's clear that you guys are just thinking about these things and in conversation about them more than your parents likely were um, when they were your age. If you, if you had a friend um, that you had a concern about with mental health, or you guys were talking about mental health, just like I mentioned, how more present it seems the conversation is, who would you turn to for help? Is there someone that you feel like um, you would you would want to bring into the conversation? Um, well, for me personally, um, like my grandma, she she was like she just does all that. Like she does like therapy. She's a psychiatrist. All this stuff. So like if like so, I just go, usually go to her sometimes if I've ever like just yeah. But also, I have my acting teacher who like he truly has taken the time to uh. Uh, what's the word? Uh, understand. Wow. Uh, understand all of us. So like, just like everyone's so open with him and to talk to him. It's yeah, it's really easy. Oh, that's great. You have a teacher like that. And yeah, having a, an expert in the family too is a fantastic resource. What about you, Camilla? So I've actually gone to therapy for a good chunk of my life. Um, it's been eight years now, I think. Awesome. And so since 
my eighth grade year of school, I've been seeing the same therapist. I see her like every other week, you know, and she's somebody who I've constantly gone to when I need help with anything, especially regarding mental health, whether that be my own or my friends, just because her being a therapist for people my age, for adolescents, she really knows what to do and like the way to go about doing things like that. But if she weren't available, um, I think that I would go to my parents because my throughout my own journey, they've also learned a lot mm. about mental health within adolescents and kids and stuff. So I think that they also bring a different perspective as somebody who is a parent. You know, my friends, they can resonate with my friends' parents and kind of give a different perspective as to what to do from that point of view. So. That's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. You've been able to take advantage of formal support and that you have such, it sounds like good rapport with the same therapist for five of the eight years um, that that you mentioned. And um, the fact that you, you feel like your parents have that role is significant. One of our reports that we'll release in 2023 is specifically about what parents, guardians, caretakers can do to best support mental health of, of the young people in their homes or in their lives. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really phenomenal. And Ellington mentioning his grandma as well. Like there's, there's a whole family network that you guys are mentioning alongside these other trusted adults. So besides these, these trusted adults you can speak with, I'm wondering, um, do you feel like there's activities you can do when it comes to addressing your own mental health? If you're feeling particularly stressed or down about something, what, what can you do or what modes and practices do you rely on to um, kind of get realigned with yourself? Um, well, <clears throat> when I'm even like just like a mood or something or anything like that, I usually just work out because I don't know, I like working out and I find a sense of like, uh, on a rely that's not a word reliability nope nope that's not a word um consistency and being able to rely on it because you can just get results and also i don't know yeah it's it's fun so yeah that's great yeah so you just kind of have your own Mm -hmm. go-to i just just go to my own word i just play my music and i just work out and then i'm usually in a better mood and if i'm not in a better mood at least i worked out so i'm in better shape (laughs) so yeah (laughs) And music is a key part of it too. It sounds like it's not, it's the movement, but it's movement paired with music. Yeah. Cause if I was just working out, I mean, yeah, sure. But then you, it gets boring. Like yeah. cause music really does add to it. Yeah. I hear music a lot. Actually, when I ask young people about different things, they turn to the, some form of music, whether it's playing music themselves or a certain playlist that they have, that they can fall back on is, is consistent. So that's cool to hear that it, it shows up in your answer too. Camilla, what, yeah. What activities or practices do you rely on? So for me, it's not necessarily like a practice or something like that. That's important for me to do. It's more so a place. So for me, mm-hmm. I really resonate with like the lake and water and being outdoors. Like when it's a really pretty day outside, I love to just go sit by the lake and I 
live like right by a levee. So it's really nice to go over there, go for a walk or something. But um, when I find myself kind of like stressed or down, I will go to the lake, you know, put music on. Music is also something that's really big for me. Um, I'll, I have like tons of different playlists depending on like what kind of mood I'm in. So I'll go to those playlists, put the music on. And like I said earlier, um, doing like arts and crafts and stuff really helps me just calm down just because I put all my focus into that. So like I'll put on a playlist and I'll start making jewelry and just be really in tune with that. And that helps me get back together with myself and kind of recenter. Just a quick break to give a shout out. Springtide is able to offer this podcast because of donors who make our research and actionable insights possible. An educator read our belonging report and wrote to us saying, this is an incredible offering, which identifies not only the realities of how the next generation is feeling and interacting in the world, but ways we can be partners in helping them belong. It brings to light how critical even one trusted adult can be in building a relationship with a young adult to help them know they truly belong and are counted in this world. You can see more of our current findings on our website, springtideresearch.org, where you can also make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options. Now, back to the episode. As you both know, as current students, um, we have this report that releases in 2022 that's specifically about what educators um, in middle school, high school, higher ed, what they can do to support young people's mental health. And we have three main themes in our mental health series that um, all of our research um, looks through these lenses and that they include connections, expectations, and purpose. So I'm curious about your school setting um, and mental health. Are there specific adults? Um, I know Ellington mentioned one drama teacher that was significant, but are there people, it could be a teacher, it could be a librarian, it could be you know someone in the office. Are there people that you feel like you can talk to about your mental health on campus? I think that there are definitely um, a select few people. I've gone to the same school since eighth grade. So I've really gotten to make some strong bonds with certain teachers. Um, I think that the reason that I can go to these teachers specifically is because they've made it known that like it's okay to talk about these things and that they're there for us not only to teach us whatever subject they're teaching us but to also just help us help shape us and help us get ready for our next stage of life um there's one teacher in particular who I can think of who I've actually just met this year I've started taking his classes here and he's just somebody that I know I can go to to talk about how I'm feeling you know whether that's with school or not and that he's going to be there to talk to me and just listen to me and I know that it's going to be a non-judgmental space um the class that I have with him is actually a really small class and I've actually talked about it in our meetings before um when we get into like our groups for the meetings but his classroom is just like while there's emphasis on what we're learning, there's also emphasis on making sure that we as students are okay. 
Mm-hmm. And all of us in that class kind of utilize that space as much as we can, just because it's such a nice thing to have, you know, to have a trusted adult that you can talk to and that'll hear you out and be there for you. So that's awesome that it's like built into just the atmosphere he's creating in that class. Yeah. And it's not only that, you know, that he's someone that you said would be non-judgmental, but that in the classroom setting, it sounds like he's creating a particular culture and environment. And that's really what our research is, is seeking to do that. We don't want people to only address mental health when there's a crisis that needs to still exist, but how can we have our schools be more mental health, positive, more mental health friendly. And, and sometimes that needs to be like, I'm going to approach my classroom setting differently. I'm going to approach this curriculum, um, differently. And so it sounds like there's a lot of intentionality, um, from what, from what this educator is doing. I love that Camilla Ellington, who, who at your campus comes to mind? Um, well, like I said before, we have guidance counselors for each, um, cause at LaGuardia we have, um, you know, different arts, you know, drama, music, dance and vocal and art like drawing um and there's a guidance counselor it's like a couple guidance counselors for each oh neat yeah art yeah i personally have never gone to one of them before but i've i've had multiple friends who have but also uh my english teacher she is just a very understanding person and the environment in her classroom is just great and there's multiple times where like 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 one time i just needed to talk and i was like can i just go on a walk yourself come back and she's like yeah that's absolutely fine because yeah she's great so yeah besides that yeah the whole school is really nice I mean I don't know I feel like some of the academic teachers just hate children but I guess that's just how they be (laughs) but I don't know I I love this English teacher that like you it sounds like you knew that if you made that request that she was going to honor that you just needed some space and need a little bit of like diversion um like when you made the request i guess she could have said no and then you would have just kept things going (laughs) but but i'm getting the sense that like she'd already kind of made an environment as well that it, it felt like she would she would be someone that you could expect to honor that request too hundred percent. I love that. I love that. I, I've worked in school settings and um, it's, it's wonderful to have guidance counselors. Schools need them, but we, we see more and more how it's like a team effort for the whole staff and community. And um, the fact that um, teachers are the ones who are going to see students day in, day out. Sometimes young people see their teachers more than they see their families. And so the ways that that those educators play such a pivotal role in your life through these years, um, your mental health is, is a huge aspect that, that comes into play in all those classroom settings too. So those examples are really helpful when it comes to expectations at school. Um, our research looks at expectations through a couple different angles, but I'm wondering first off, are there expectations that you feel like, oh, this teacher or this school setting sets expectations in this way and the way that they do is actually helpful for my mental health? So just like um, 
the teacher that I was talking about, the one that I had just met this year, who kind of has that intentionality in his class, like you were saying, he is a great example of some a good expectation that he sets for mental health. So when it comes to school, I know that there's a lot of importance put on grades, like the number, the letter, you know, like a lot of students feel like that defines them as a student, you know, that defines whether or not you're intelligent. And when we were, it's a really hard class. It's an AP chemistry class. So we go through college freshman science and college sophomore science all in a year of high school Wow! while having all of our other senior classes, you know? So at the beginning of the class, we were all kind of struggling when it came to grades. And so we expressed to him that that was taking a toll on us and making us feel kind of bad, you know, like we were really discouraged and everything. And at that point, he kind of realized that and he was like, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to put an emphasis on these grades because that's not what defines you as a student. It doesn't define your intelligence. You know, it's just a number. It's just a letter. We're going to work on giving you feedback and helping you fix what you're not able to do right now. And when I say that that took off so much pressure and actually really helped us all do much better in the class and go into that class, not dreading it, not, Mm. you know, hating ourselves for not being able to understand something that is really difficult for anybody. Yeah. It, it really did that. And that is one of the most helpful things that's probably ever happened to me in my high school career. Um, and it just changed all of our mindsets, you know, it Mm. really helped us to want to do the work, to want to try and be better. And yeah, that was a expectation that was pretty good for our mental health. No kidding. Um, Yeah. And I've never like seen something like that happen before, you know, like teachers just kind of, I feel like teachers get used to doing things the way that they always do them, you know, especially teachers that have been teaching for a long time. It's like, no, well, I do this like this every single year, you know, and students who don't get it, don't get it. And students who do, do, Mm. you know? And so that was just, it threw us all for like a total 360. We were like, whoa, like you're going to take away our grades and you're just going to help us. Like, that's crazy. But it really, really showed the difference, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a perfect example. There's, it sounds like a really keen sense of being flexible and adjusting compared to when you were saying that there's sometimes like a rigidity to where people just kind of say, well, this is how I've always done it. Um, right. It sounds like he, he was reevaluating things in terms of the ways that he approached um, learning with you all as well. So that's kudos, kudos to this person that yeah. you're uplifting here. Ellington, yeah. Do you have a sense of how expectations are in a place that's helpful in a school setting? I mean, definitely. But like, like, from my old school to this school, like at my old school, we were progressive. We did like it was it's not the same at all. Like we didn't I never remember talking about mental health at all. But at mm-hmm. at, at LaGuardia, it's completely different. It's a whole different like environment. That like the amount of like just like PSA meetings and stuff that we just like talk about and just to bring awareness to certain things, it is like everything that they're doing when it comes to mental health and your well-being is just right. Like, I don't even know. Like we, I didn't have guidance counselors at my old school. So like, yeah. Mm. That's great. Are there places where you feel like the expectations 
are are so stringent, are so intense, or um, the atmosphere from the expectations makes mental health, you know, suffer because yeah. of how expectations are laid out. I I do have something for this. Okay, so um, at my school, it can be very competitive because everyone's in the arts, and especially when because in drama. Uh, competing for roles or just to show who's better it can be really because i for one thing am i uh in my class because there's two studios a so studio one a studio two i'm in studio two like my school's diverse but you know there's just less black kids in the school that's just how it is um and in my class i me and my other friend chinua are the only two black boys so we compete a lot for a lot of the same roles Whoa. in some kind and sometimes it can be discouraging for both of us and it's just, it's kind of, it can be kind of annoying just cause like, like he'll get a role and then like, they're like, oh, well you, this can also be for you LinkedIn. We can switch it back and forth. And it's just like, mm. it's not refreshing, but like, yeah, it's very uh, competitive. And even though my drama teacher, he's like, <laughs> he's so great because um, when we were doing our, 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 our scenes, I was, me and my scene partner were freaking out because, oh my God, some we were just like, some like, our class is not that big it's like 30 kids and like 15 20 of them are like just like child actors like it's terrifying and i've never done anything in my life at that moment so like i was really nervous i was like oh what if they think i'm bad i don't i don't i want to be on the same level and he in my in my teacher he was like i don't care you don't have to impress me i just want to see how you grow and I want to make oh, you wow. better. And it doesn't matter where you are right now because you will get better. You will improve. And I'll make sure that happens. And I'm just like, wow, that is great. Um, so, yeah, it really, yeah. Besides that, it can just be very uh, competitive and that can put a lot of stress. Yeah, but I love how that teacher is like, I'm going to cut through some of the just the natural heaviness that comes from this competitive atmosphere that's kind of baked into the reality of, of this drama track at an arts high school and, and try to like personalize it more and not be like, Oh, what have you done prior to school? Or what have you not done? And just be like you in front of me now, this is, this is what matters. I like, I like what, what is the reality that I can see the expectations being rough. I, I like that what that educator is about. That's really cool. He says a lot. He's like, don't make it about you, make it about your scene partner and how you can help them. And then the scene oh, will be great. Good. Yeah. That's good. Camilla, do you have anything else in that realm to offer? Yeah. So um, it's kind of similar to uh, what Ellison was saying about like, tracks and stuff kind of kind of not but at my school they have four different kind of levels that students fall into so if you're in track four then you need a, a little bit more help in your classes and you know your classes will go at a different pace if you're in track one that's when you're in like ap classes dual enrollment classes things like that and then track three is like you know the regular kids who just are not AP level, but they don't need that extra help. And then track three would be like your honors classes, you know, and that's kind of something that can 
present itself as, you know, it's helpful for these students that they have these different tracks so that you can be where you need to be. But once you get to the higher tracks, it's kind of like a lot more is expected of you. And I know that at least when it comes to me and my friends and some other people that I know, that those expectations aren't just coming from the faculty and the teachers and their parents. It's also coming from the student themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I, I'm just going to use myself as an example. I'm in a track one class. I'm in an AP class. Therefore I have to put this amount of work out. I have to get these grades. I have to reach these unrealistic expectations for myself, you know, and it'll really take a toll on you because when you don't reach those expectations, when you don't reach those marks that you set so high and that you think that everybody else has for you just because they see that you're smart or smarter or that you have better work ethic, you know, you could do this at some point, but you can't keep producing that every single time. You know, it's just not realistic for you to just continuously be a hundred percent. And it kind of, the thought that that's not possible really gets lost when it comes to the student's mindset. It's really hard for some of us to kind of separate from that separate our self-worth from that and um it doesn't really help that you know you have these adults that the faculty and staff at school who are like you know well you know you're in ap classes you're in honors classes you should be able to do this kind of stuff that can Mm. be kind of harmful to us yeah i hear that i really hear that So with purpose in a school setting, I'm wondering, um, you know, and this could be in a school setting or this could be in life in general. It does connecting to something bigger than yourself. This could be something through a faith identity, a spiritual practice, a, a sense of community, maybe a movement or a cause. Does that connection have an impact on your mental health? Uh, I, I would say so. Um, for example, um, uh, I take karate classes. I've been taking them since I was like five and it's, it's really honestly like a second home. Like I've grown up with all the kids and all the teachers there. So it's just to know that we're all both trying, we're all trying to improve ourselves and it's like healthy competition. It's just, it's honestly great. I have so much fun and I, Yeah. Yeah. Having that connection though, it sounds like it, it's like a stabilizing place, place for you and just a consistency in terms of you've, you've done it for so long. So have having that connection and, and I imagine growing through it. Cause I know you had to write you like tests after each level and get different. Well, belts. Yeah. Especially for the black belt test, it's three hours. So yeah, that was, that was a lot, but it was basically like I was doing it with my brothers and sisters because I've grown up with them since I was like four. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. to see them, it's just, it's just great. And to see them improve makes me want to do better myself. And yeah. Yeah. So it's like community and purpose interwoven mm-hmm. in that space. Camilla, do you, yeah. Do you feel like there's a connection to something bigger than yourself? And if, if so, how, how does that translate to mental health? I think that my connection to something bigger is my purpose. I feel like 
ever since I was a kid, I've always felt like my purpose was to help other people. And which is why like, I want to go into nursing, you know, I want to be there for other people. Um, that has, I think the biggest impact on my mental health, because when I get into those really rough spots, when I get really down, I, that's what always makes me keep going. You know, it's like, I can't help other people if I can't help myself. You know, I can't help other people to the best of my ability if I'm not working on myself to be the best person, the best version of myself that I can be, you know, um, you know how they say like hurt people can't or hurt people, hurt people, you know, I don't want, I kind of want to be on the opposite end of that. You know, I really think that that's, like I said before, that's what keeps me going other people and being there for other people. Cause that, as much as that keeps me going, it's also what makes me happy. It also is what drives me. So Mm -hmm. that's the biggest, I guess, bigger thing that I'm connected to. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, you are very clear about what you want to pursue as you look, as you look towards higher ed and the fact that it's, it's yes, helping people, but you're like, my mental health is connected because I got to still <laughs> make right. sure I'm taking care of me so I can fulfill and pursue this, this purpose and this conviction. That's yeah. Really well said. Do you guys feel like there's something different or particular about Gen Z when it comes to thinking or talking about mental health? That's maybe different than other generations. Well, percent. Yeah. yeah <laughs> definitely feel like Gen Z would take it a lot more seriously Hmm. And also just brings light to it because I don't know, just in other generations and there's just also like people I know that are older that they're just like, ah, get over it. You'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And just like, just stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I a thousand percent think so. I think that generations before us, there was just such a stigma associated with mental health. Like, people with mental health were considered like crazy, you know, like either that end of the spectrum or the total opposite end that like, it's just not real, you know, like Ellington was saying, just get over it. You know, why are you, why are you in this place? You know, why are you depressed? Oh, what's there to be depressed about? Just get over it. Be happy, you know, stuff like that. Like those are things that I've had said to me by older people. Mm. And I think that when it comes to Gen Z, we're just, getting rid of that stigma because we all recognize that it is something real and it's something that everybody deals with. I mean, people who don't even know that they're dealing with it are probably dealing with it, you know, and it never hurts to talk about it just because it is something that's real. And it's something that if it's talked about, it normalizes it and it doesn't make people feel like they're crazy, you know? Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Like so well said in the sense of that's that's the goal of this podcast series, even that it it can exist alongside our research, but also just show like, hey, look at how two strangers y'all didn't even know each other going into this conversation. And yet you're so open about your own lives and experiences to share not only with each other, but with this wider podcast audience. So yeah, I, I agree with you both. There's something really special about how Gen Z is opening up um, mental health and just normalizing it. So this has been really illuminating and I have loved talking with you both. Thank you, Camilla. Thank you, Ellington, for 
for bringing these examples from your academic selves and and your personal lives to light. I know our audience is going to take a lot from it. No problem. It was definitely a pleasure being here. Yeah, this is great. It was great to talk with both of y'all and hear from a freshman's perspective. Brings me back, but you know. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you both. Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and to learn about the latest research and resources available in our mental health and Gen Z series. Springtide Research Institute is supported by donors who believe in the critical research and insight generating work we do on behalf of young people. Make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options on our website today. Be sure to follow us on social media at We Are Springtide and interact with the resources in the Springtide series on mental health by using the hashtag Mental Health and Gen Z. Today's show was produced by Marta Abowaji. The audio was mixed by Andy Palmer with original music created by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to the 16 guests featured in season seven and to all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Thank you for listening.